0: Being there when people are vulnerable is extremely important for me because sometimes me or someone like me is the only person that they can talk to.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Alopecia Project, the podcast that uncovers the ups, the downs, and the everydays of living with hair loss. I'm your host, Sarah Adams, and alopecia is an autoimmune condition resulting in various patterns of hair loss. This episode is the second part of my two-part interview series with Deanne Callis-Graham. Deanne has suffered with hair loss for most of her life and she's overcome that challenge by writing a book called Head On Stories of Alopecia and starting her own alopecia life coaching practice. Okay, so the photography in your book. Mm -hmm. The photography is phenomenal. It's so, so wonderful to see all these beautiful pictures of bald people and their portraits and they're they're phenomenal. What what kind of was the was the beginnings of, of that?
0: Well, I knew that stories needed to be a big part of the book, but but having photos that people could look at would be equally as important. And I, I'm not a photographer, so I I had to reach out and say, okay, who can who has pictures already that that off that was definitely great if somebody had just had some photos done and so as the as the stories came in we decided to as i went through them i thought okay the story will work the story um you know maybe isn't quite right yet and so it, it was all about timing with the photographer sometimes people had photos already done like i said and other times we just reached out and and asked for someone and i will tell you that process was easier than I thought it would be. I these photographers who they just opened up and said, absolutely. I want to help. I I see where you're going with, with this. We want to help. And so they all, they really did. They donated their, their time in these gorgeous photos and gave me complete access to them. I, I just am so thankful for that. And they were from all over the world. I had pictures in Malaysia done by somebody. So you know, it definitely can happen. (laughs) It wasn't, wasn't like completely amazing that the entire experience, you know, it was dealing with different time zones and things like that, but it was just great to work with these people. Was
1: anybody nervous or hesitant about sharing their photos? I know it's one thing to share your story, but the other, another thing to put your face to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were definitely people that said, well, I don't know, if I if I want to do that, and usually that happens before the photos were taken, I, I usually would kind of feel that out to see because I I knew that I needed photos from everyone. It wasn't it wasn't gonna be a perfect fit if we couldn't have their photos. So so there were a few stories that I didn't end up using because of that because they just didn't feel ready yet, unfortunately.
1: Oh, that and that you know everybody is at a different I guess space in Hopefully. life and and. That's that's great that the people that you did include were able to share those photos. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you get any feedback from them when you kind of put these these stories and their pictures together and in, in this book? What did what did they think at the end?
0: Yeah. Oh, I I treat everybody like their family in my book. <laughs> I I I really have a strong connection with them. I, everyone that I used, I felt like we had we had a rapport going. We we talked consistently. And we talked, because I, it was really important for me to be help, helping tell their story, and it needed to be done in, in the most beautiful way possible, and that meant really listening to them, and if they had an issue with maybe an edit that I did with their story or something like that, then we would talk about it, and we would make, make it just work for them. But really working with photographers and storytellers were were separate processes, and then we you know, just figuring out how it was going to fit on the page, whether it was going to be a horizontal or vertical picture, you know, and how it laid out in the book. So, there were a couple times where, you know, I was sent color photos, and so and and it is a black and white book, so that was the only thing that we kind of had to adjust and and figure out. But other than that, I I think the process overall was was easy, and I think it's because it was the timing was just right, and it was supposed to be come out when it did, and. And I was open to the experience.
1: Take me through the process of the book, from you know your initial interviews with people. I'm so curious as to how you got all these 75 people, and you saying you interviewed even more. Like, I think that's so phenomenal. How how you how did you do that?
0: That part of it was was really interesting because I look back right now and I I see one story in here that it took almost two years to get, and it was from meeting it was a mother and daughter who I met on the beach here in the San Juan Islands and then I contacted them and they moved and they came back and 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 they were questioning they're like I don't know do I want to use my story do I want to talk about the mother-daughter experience and so I kind of let them be you know with with their thought process with that and it took two years to get their stories so it was it wasn't like stories just started coming in overnight um initially until I started to kind of promote myself and put myself out there and show up at NAF conferences to kind of let people know who I was. Because they do have to trust you. They're not just going to give it to anybody. They need to know that you're, you're going to protect their story and also treat it lovingly and, and help tell it in the best way possible to help others. So. That was that was part of it was just asking people straight you know when I went to conference hey would you be willing to do this and and it was a lot of it, it's just like anything you know you ask a hundred people and you might get three or four and so you ask, have to ask another hundred and then I started putting it up on social media I was really resistant to being on Facebook but at the time. I was like, oh, okay, I gotta just bite the bullet and do it, and <laughs> and that really did open up the experience for me. Though I, I was able to reach out to people who were seeing in the news, and that was actually a, a big deal. We wanted people who who would be in in public and be able to tell their story, and then to share it with others within my book, and and then just you know for having that continue to grow too. So, you know, I have me be a handful of celebrities and the rest are just my my own personal celebrities so too.
1: is there any story that's your favorite
0: uh, no I think that some stories are just beautifully written Rachel in here wrote a real beautiful story it's a little bit longer than than most but the way that she writes and the way, because she really does go through the process of what happens as her hair falls out, and and what she was going through at her time, at the time in her life, and who she was professionally, and what that meant, and and so I think that everybody, I, I think reading every story, there's always you know a paragraph or four lines, I always called the last four lines, is when people get down to the nitty gritty of it, and and the piece of it that resonates with them, and and what what it means to them, hair loss, and. And becoming kind of just growing into that, so every story had something. That's that's why I used them. So,
1: <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. It's it's hard to pick a favorite when you know your this entire project is like your child.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah,
1: very exciting to see. And were there any particular stories that resonated with you the most,
0: or you know, I think. But anytime you can learn something from a story is is great. Every everything that people have gone through resonates with me because it's something that I've lived through as because I've had it as a child and, and as an adult. I think that those reading the children's stories and then reading the parents how they're reacting and then also reading the adult stories where you know they can't look themselves in the mirror and then Mary Marshall who is International Alopecia Day founder. She wrote about doing baby steps, and I have really taken that on in my life coaching. Where she said, you know, I just woke up and I said, okay, today I'm going to walk out to the mailbox, which which is a big deal, right? I mean, without anything on your head, you go today. I'm going to conquer this. And sometimes that may mean opening your door, you know, and stepping out on your porch or onto your balcony, wherever you are, and just going, okay, this is as much as I can do today. This is what I'm willing to do today, and then tomorrow may look different. So I, I really loved reading that piece of it, which seems so simple, right? But mm-hmm. but it was it's powerful, it's simple, and Small awesome. steps that
1: take you forward,
0: mm-hmm. for sure.
1: I mean, that was actually going to be one of my next questions for you: was <laughs> Is there any particular lessons that you that you learned when you when you put this together from start to finish?
0: Well, I learned, I learned a big piece about men in particular. And I think the the man piece was man, men and boys was a bigger deal. Cause initially I started out and I think I thought, oh I'll just write about women because that's what I know. I know that experience and I can talk to women. They're going to talk to me about it. And I was in a support group session where a young man said, I wanted to commit suicide it was so horrible for me and I thought oh my gosh you know this isn't this is not a women girl issue this is completely about everybody this is it's not unique just to women and so I I felt like it was really important to talk about men and their experience and the fact that you know being a boy and a man today is really difficult especially you know with the way that that we're told you know, boys have to be, you know, be strong, be a man. You know, there's this language that that happens and naturally, and I think it's it's definitely getting better these days. But I hear parents say all the time, every time we go out in public, someone says, "Well, at least he's a boy." Well, at least he's, you know, oh, oh, you'll be fine, buddy. You know, you're a boy. It's okay to be bald. And and so they're thinking, "I'm a boy. I'm not supposed to." feel anything about this because it's just supposed to be okay but they are feeling things about it they're feeling upset they're feeling challenges at school and they're being teased and and they're just supposed to man up and handle that so I felt like that was a really important piece to to touch on and and interestingly enough the men in my book don't really say oh I think it's easier for women but they also don't say they don't compare the, the two either they just don't go well, it's easier and it, it should be easier for me. They just talk about their own personal process. And I think that that was really positive too.
1: Yeah. And I think, like you said, everybody is different. Everybody has unique a, a unique story, whether mm-hmm. they're a, a man or a woman or really anybody. It's very unique to that person's, you know, individual personality and situation mm-hmm. and, and the yeah. environment in which they live.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Okay, I loved I love the book. I want to ask, are you gonna do a second one? Is this it? Is what are your kind of next steps from there?
0: I I would love to do a second book. One one specifically for men and boys. I think that that, that just needs to be out there, but I'm also kicking around the idea of doing a graphic novel. But I'm really, really working hard on the life coaching it's just it's something that really speaks to me and I'm really excited to be doing it so so that's kind of where my energy is right now and and it does take a lot a lot of energy to put a book together (laughs) and to publish it and it's a lot of yeah I bet
1: I actually I I did want to ask how long did it take from start to finish
0: well as far as gathering stories I would say that 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 probably was a three-year process but it was getting in there and talking to people was a bigger deal. It was like, okay, here we are talking about, you know, this is what I want to do, but me having a vision and me really starting to write it started in October of 2014 and I was done in May and they were literally, they were printed and I picked them up at the, the printer and I kept driving to California to my first NAP conference. So they were, that was the process of it. So it was about, six, seven months of intense, intense work. And my older sister, Kristen, and I, I want to just do a shout out to her because she made it look like it does. I said, this is how I want it to look. And then we would talk back and forth. And she looked, she worked or she lives in Southern California and I live in Washington state. And I thought and we were on the phone constantly and I'm like, okay, let's do it this way. And she's like, do you want page numbers? And I thought, oh no, I don't want page numbers. Then I and I'm like, well, of course I want page numbers, but she'd already started the process of doing it. She's like, ah. So it was kind of an <laughs> interesting and fun experience to work with her, and and it really did help us grow closer. So right. I'm really, i really – she just did a, a phenomenal job putting it together. It's gorgeous.
1: That's amazing. Because of her. You know? It is. It is gorgeous. So uh, thank you to you both for doing that. <laughs> You already kind of mentioned it, but uh, let's segue into the life coaching. You're an alopecia life coach. What does that mean?
0: It means people can reach out to me and talk to me about whatever is going on in their lives with alopecia. And most of the time I have people who don't even want to talk about their hair loss. It's something completely different and hair loss comes into it or their alopecia and they appreciate that someone who understands can relate to them and that's almost enough to to make it an effective session. So oftentimes, you know, I, I work with children and and parents. You know, we try to work together to figure out a process that will work for them at school. They want to know how to go into the school and create community. We do a little bit of that and, and then working with individuals too works out. They You know, just just reaching out and trying to move forward with their alopecia. A lot of people have recently been diagnosed, and they just want some answers to questions that they're not getting from their doctor. And I always encourage them to find a support group, because that's, that's super key in moving forward.
1: Is that piece of community tends to be a larger concern that a lot of people have when they come to you?
0: I actually don't think it is. A lot of people initially, when they are diagnosed they they don't want to share with anyone they don't want to talk about it they don't even talk to their spouse about it or anybody at their work i have there's someone who is an actress and she's she's in some shows that are really popular and she doesn't want she wears wigs all the time they that's perfectly great for her profession but she doesn't talk to her family about it because she doesn't know how to feel about it yet she's in the losing process right the loss process where you're like okay is it going to come back is it going to go away forever. And so for her, it's about just, just kind of waiting it out and and figuring out how to do the daily things to move forward. So, so the community piece really, they they don't want to be part of a community that they don't quite understand yet. So that that's a bit of a process too.
1: How do you go about letting people know that there is a community and that you know they're they're welcome into that community anytime. I'm I'm sure that is a process for for different people in different stages mm-hmm. in their life.
0: Yeah. Well, oftentimes there are small support groups in in your city, right? I mean, I could you could tell me where you live, and I could say, okay, there, there is a support group here. Because a lot of the time they they will know that it's available, but they just won't really take the next step to find out where it's located, on what day do they meet, and they're also afraid that they're gonna they're going to be the person that's going to be completely have all this attention on them. Right. And they don't really want that. They just want to sit and listen. And so, so I, I encourage them to go. And I also talk to the support group leaders oftentimes to kind of get a feel for who they are and what they do at these support groups so that I know how to, to kind of guide people when they, when they do look for a group.
1: What made you decide to do the life coaching you know, you, you finished this book, you had spoken to a whole bunch of people. Was this like the next step for you?
0: Well, I've been helping people off and on with different support groups. I, I help with a support, a children's support group here in Seattle, and we have about 120 members. And we're from all over it's from Idaho and Oregon and, and BC in Vancouver. So we were kind of everywhere. And I thought, oh, well, I'm already doing this. And it And it just seemed natural for me to, to step up and do it more professionally. So I, you know, got certified and it was a a very interesting process to go through. You do a lot of internal work for yourself and then realize, you know, you come out with these great tools that are effective and and it did just seem kind of natural for me to keep doing that And, and in the capacity like this on a life coaching professional level.
1: You know, it's, it's funny you say that helping people, and, and right at the beginning of the conversation we were talking about how having alopecia, a lot of people are just naturally inclined or, or just have that genuine ability to help people. Is that something that, you know, you kind of had as well that you've been doing even before you did all this volunteering?
0: Well, I think for for a long time you're really working on your your stuff, right? You're going, okay, what what's going to help me move forward? And then when you discover methods that work for you, you know that they may not work for other people. But the number one thing that I found was support, and and the fact that if your if your family doesn't understand, and your your spouse doesn't understand, your school doesn't get it, your community just doesn't have any investment in you as an individual that. it's really hard to move forward and so that that piece of it was became very important for me to start educating in that way and um so the education piece kind of came next i guess after the the book was an education piece but i didn't realize how much of it would become that and then and then actually going and speaking on it and that that was kind of a a bigger piece kind of in between the book and the life coaching piece so it's kind of interesting when you go okay is it me helping and serving others if I'm, you know, getting paid for it? Right. I mean, there's kind of this thing where you go, you know, people are vulnerable. Are you asking, you know, and you're asking to get paid for your services. And, and anytime that that came up for me, I thought, you know what, this is, this is a profession. This is some, an experience that I have. I'm helping others. And and certainly, um, I'm able to serve them by doing this, and and I should be able to live my life, right? I should be able to to pay my Netflix bill, is what people <laughs> say, or or whatever. <laughs> and so, I, and being there when people are vulnerable is extremely important for me because sometimes me or someone like me is the only person that they can talk to. So, and I was hearing some really great feedback from support groups that I was pitching this to earlier in the year and they were saying, oh, you know, if I only had someone like you at the time that I was diagnosed, it would have made a world of difference. And so that, that to me just said it right there, that, right. that it was a needed thing. And I know personally, if I would have had something when I was a child, somebody I could have talked to who got it, it would have made a difference for me and the same as an adult. So
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. I'm on that exact page as well. I wish I had somebody like that to talk to when I was first going through hair loss. What mm-hmm. what stage do people come to you? What are, are they just starting to lose their hair? Are they bald? Do they have difficulties at work or at home?
0: A lot of people just want to take the next step. And, and there's so there's a group of people who really just want information, right? They're they're going to their doctors, and their their doctors and and nurses are saying, okay, this is what you can do. This is all the you know the choices you can do with a prescription, and this is the possible outcome. But they're so confused by the end of it that they're just like, I just want hair. Just give it to me, you know. And so there's a lot of people that are in the early stage that just want to do everything possible, knowing that they will have done everything. And, and, and then they go, okay, wait, do I really want to be doing this with my with my body, right? Are the side effects worth it? And so there's kind of a process that that they go through. So there's the early stagers. And then there's people who've had it maybe for 10 or 20 years and go, okay, this is really holding me back from moving forward. And and I just want to take the next step. So we work together and figure out what that next step is for them. And it's going to be different for everybody.
1: And what age range of people come to you? I guess it it, does depend or
0: it it totally depends. Yeah. I have some preteens that I work with and then I have adults and I don't truthfully, I don't have a lot of men and I think that's just, just speaks to, to men and, and, you know, they're just like I'm. Just gonna push through it and right. <laughs> and do whatever. They certainly, you know, there's definitely a place for men to get life coaching, and and definitely I'm I'm ready for that. Come my way. So
1: <laughs> I'll also th- throw uh, that link onto the show notes as well. <laughs> so anybody who's listening to this who wants to speak yeah. to you, like, feel free to reach out. I mean, as a life coach, it's really from my understanding, kind of overcoming a lot of obstacles that you see in your in your way what I guess what are those obstacles that people face is it is it like I want to go to work without a wig or I want to shave my head in, in the first place <laughs> what kinds of issues do people tend to come with you come to you with
0: they they could be anything they could be how to not be a people pleaser they could be you know, there's so many different things that, that come with alopecia that, that just follow us through life. And we go, oh, I've always been a people pleaser, but why is that? Does this have to be with my alopecia? And so they take that personality trait and just continue it with, with how they deal with people at work, going, oh, oh you know, you really should wear a wig. And, and so they go, oh, well, it would make them feel more comfortable, so I'll wear a wig. But they really don't want to. So we work on, on really the people pleasing aspect of it. We don't go, Oh, let's, you know, you can't control people at work and how they feel. It's only about how you feel about moving forward and what you want to do. So really a lot of it is about transitions in life, right? People maybe getting a divorce or, you know, and wanting to move forward with that and what they're going to do with their new ideas about their hair. And, and lack of it so so there's so many different things I can't even begin to, to to tell you if there's there's not one particular thing that that people come to me for so I mean I I had a, a client that wanted to talk about moving and so we worked about we talked about how she could move her move from one state to another I mean we weren't even talking about hair loss but hair loss came into it because she's like oh I got to move all these you know, I have to talk to all these new people about my hair loss. It's gonna be another journey, another headache, another this or that. So we dealt with how how she was gonna go about doing that in her new life. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways. How long think. have you uh
1: how long have you been doing the life coaching for?
0: Just about a year. So yeah, it's just been about a year and it, it's been, it, it's slow getting off the ground, but it was slow getting off the ground, but it's really starting to build now, so I'm really excited, and then I do a lot of, um, right now I'm doing some promotional stuff for the holidays, because people, especially if they've just lost their hair, they're going home for the holidays, and they need to be able to talk to their parents, or their, you know, the friends who knew them before, if they were in college, and they've lost hair, so, you know, there's so many different things, they just want to go home, and and not make Thanksgiving about their hair loss. They just want to ease into it and just be themselves and eat a really good meal. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's what you want to do when you yeah. go back home for the holidays. That's right. I guess my next question for you is, is, how has this last year kind of impacted your own hair loss when you're, you know, giving advice to people or, or kind of walking people through these obstacles that they're trying to overcome. Has that played an impact on on your relationship with your own alopecia and hair loss?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to always reconnect with how we initially felt so we can continue to work with our clients with that level of understanding, going, remembering, okay, yes, this is how I felt. I, I understand. And there's some things you're that Just you're not going to understand, right? Because it's individual to their own life. But I, I think hearing, rem, just being reminded that this is where I was once, and this is where I am now, and the excitement that that kind of brings you, going, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not dealing with those difficult issues, and and I know that there's hope, and I want to just push that out to other people, going, okay, at the end of each session, they know that there's possibilities, right? They can they can move forward. There's there's going to be growth, and I and I know that. So, but it's something you kind of go, okay, they're going to get there eventually, and and you no, know, just reaching out and getting the kind of help that they need is the first step to to moving forward, and knowing that, yeah, in a year, in three months, in two weeks, they could be feeling more amazing about their alopecia than they do right now.
1: So. Are people really excited when they come to you and they say, "You have alopecia. You know what it's like. You're bald." Are people really excited when they see you because they've seen somebody who kind of looks like them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They, and, and knowing that they're reaching out and they want the help is is huge, right? I mean they, they know what they're gonna find, but they don't really quite realize it until you know we, we start talking and they go, oh, or or they see you, of course, like you said like they see you and they go, oh, she totally gets it, right? And so, so it is an excitement, and, and I think that they, that people are hesitant when they reach out for help, wondering what they're going to get and how you know how their investment is going to pay off. And so I think that, but that's just kind of a normal human thing. But knowing that they're seeing someone that looks like them and who can understand the things that they're going through is really a positive thing for sure.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's phenomenal. I I think personally, the first time that I saw somebody who was also at a it was at a meetup group, an alopecia meetup group in Toronto and I was wearing a wig. I was at the time when I was very uncomfortable without wearing the wig. Like I basically never was not wearing my wig unless I was at home and even then I was wearing a hat or something. And seeing somebody for the first time who looked how I looked like mm-hmm. and to who, who at that point for me it was more patchy so I wasn't completely bald but like, you know, seeing that, that resemblance really made a big difference for me. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. And and I, I will say it's probably 90% of what people need is seeing people like them and, and just being around people who have gone through the process. And, and it is, it's all a process, right? I mean, it's not like every day is super easy. I mean, there's some days I, I remember a a few years ago I met someone who I totally looked up to and she had alopecia and she was like this sand volleyball player and I play volleyball. So I was like, she's my hero. But she, (laughs) she told me, um, I think this was my second year of actually. So it was quite a few years ago at the NAP conference. And she said, you know, what? not every day is easy. Some days I sit in my car and I have to give myself a pep talk to go in and get a gallon of milk. Right. I mean, she was, you know, not every day is like, okay, you know, everything's easy. I'm going bald. This is how I feel most comfortable. And, and there's just some days that, you know, you want to sit in your car and, and not have to give yourself a pep talk, but that's what it takes. So, so there's always a process that you go through, but it gets easier and easier as, as time goes on, but, but not every day it's easy. Do
1: you have those days where it's not as easy? I mean, I'm talking to you today and, and, you know, you're you're it's it's really exciting talking to you because you're so open about it. Do you ever have those hard days where you say, oh, I wish I had my hair?
0: It's not days that I wish I had my hair, but it's days that I go, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I, I want to go to my kids' basketball game. I want to um, just run in really quickly and and. Like I said, get a gallon of milk or whatever it may be. And it does, I don't want it to be a part of, of, of me every day where I have to explain to people. So that's that's the piece that is, is a nuisance actually to me. And, and most days I'm totally open to educating. I mean, I've taken on this role as, as an educator, as an author, as a speaker. So that's really important for me to educate because I think that's the only way that, that people who don't understand will get it. But sometimes they just want to, you just want to stick a hat on and go, you know, whatever. just (laughs) want to get that milk and get out. So, so there's a, it it happens occasionally, but it's, you know, most days are great. So
1: good. That's, that's phenomenal. And I think that's a perfect note for us to kind of leave off, leave off on. Is there anything, I guess for a last question, is there anything that you would tell people who are listening to this podcast right now who are starting to lose their hair and who are nervous and scared? What would you say to them?
0: I, the number one thing that I would say is you are not alone. That is the number one thing. Absolutely, you're not alone. There are people out there who understand who you can talk to about it. You don't need to hide. You don't need to feel like you're hiding. The the loneliness, I think, is is what I was with for so long when I was young. And that when I met other people, I thought, oh my gosh, other people exist. And and that. To me, was the most amazing thing, knowing that they were always out there. was 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 kind of a sadness to me that it, when you realize, oh my gosh, they've always been here, and I just never knew. So that that's the number one thing: you're not alone. There's support out there, and definitely reach out and and take it because it's available.
1: <laughs> it <is>. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely is, and there's different, uh, you know, so many different ways that you could do that. You know, you read your book like listen to the podcast you know go to different yeah. support groups yeah. or conferences there are a lot of lot of different avenues that you can go down just to hear that you're not alone definitely Perfect. well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me i uh, i really appreciate it and i know everybody uh listening will also really appreciate this conversation and that's it for my interview with deanne callis graham i want to give a massive shout out to her for giving her time and generosity to us over here at the Alopecia Project. I also want to give a really, really big thank you to our new producer, Sarah McMichael, who has also put much of her own time into the podcast, making everything sound as fantastic as it does. And thank you to all of you for listening to the show. If you're enjoying it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. We'll catch
0: you next time.